Welcome to the Family Law Now podcast. Today's subject is going to be marketing your collaborative practice. We once again have uh, our local celebrity, Brian Galbraith, joining us today. Hey, it's great to be here. I know you're a Rotarian. Uh, what's new with the Rotary Club these days? Oh, it's great. I, I feel so proud to be part of a group. There's 1.2 million members in Rotary around the world, and they just do such great work, both internationally and locally. And I, I was on the board of directors last year of our club and uh, in, uh, responsible for community service. So we, we spent, uh, I think our budget was $25,000 in the local Barrie uh, community helping individuals and organizations in need. And it's just great to be able to participate with those guys, uh, men and women, uh, helping uh, the people around the world. Fantastic stuff. Really, it would be nice to see uh, the younger generation get more involved in Rotary. Have you had any success with that? Yeah, well, we actually started a, a new club. Uh, uh, we call it a satellite club. So it's part of our club, but they meet, I think it's uh, Wednesday nights in, in the evening. And so it makes it easier for people that are commuting to Toronto or are just unable to come to the lunch hour meetings. And it's less costly. There's no meal and and we found that we've attracted some uh, younger people to to the satellite club, and then they're participating on a, in our fundraisers and helping with our projects, and it's really been a good move. So there is a, a real move to try to encourage uh, younger people to join Rotary and make it more family friendly. So great stuff. And there's a move to try to encourage people to do collaborative practice. Sure is. Yeah. We're here about marketing your collaborative practice. Now you and I have bounced marketing ideas back and forth between each other uh, for several years now. We're part of a, a marketing think tank where all we do is think about marketing for two, <laughs> three days. Like we don't have anything better to do with ourselves. But um, let's talk about collaborative practice marketing and getting the word out there. And this is sort of designed for you know lawyers, financial neutrals, people who want to do more collaborative work but don't seem to find it. Some of the common complaints I often hear is, you know, the other spouse isn't interested, or we send off our initial letter, the other spouse's lawyer uh, responds. Uh, sometimes they'll say, well, I'll do small c, collaborative, which means, in my view, they're not going to do anything collaborative. Um, you know, you've got this great course out there of family members or people who've been through divorce coaching your client or the other spouse to not do collaborative. You have people who are suspicious of the process. Another complaint I often get is they don't want to lose you as their lawyer. You know, we agree not to go to court. We, re we agree to resolve matters uh, collaboratively. Yeah, and that, and that participation agreement that says that says if what, the parties decide to go to court, they have to start all over with new lawyers. Right. And people, some people shy away and say, I, I don't like it because of that. And you I, know what? I, I think, want you to be my lawyer. I don't want I, to lose you. Yeah. I don't want to lose you. But you know what? I think that is the best feature of collaborative practice. Because when I sign that participation agreement, I have a vested interest in making sure this thing gets settled. You as a lawyer. Yes. That's right. It's in my best interest because if my client goes to court, I lose the client. So we need to get that message out there. Absolutely. Yeah. The other uh, the other kickback I get, mainly from the other lawyers, not from clients so much, is the cost of a full team. And the lawyers I, I work with in a full team setting love it. You know, we start with full team every time. 
occasionally we'll have a new lawyer uh, join the group or it'll be the first or second file we'll work on. And they're, the lawyer's reluctant at the cost. Mm-hmm. And I'm just lazy. I don't want to do this work. If I can get a financial neutral <laughs> to prepare a brief, um, that's going to save my client expense. But they don't see it that way. Right. No, I, I, I'm with you. Uh, uh, and a, a lot of the uh, emotional issues can be dealt with through the fi- family right. professional and the parenting issues. And it's, it's not even about the cost. It's about having the right person in the right seat giving the right kind of advice. Uh, and you know, like I'm, uh, I'm not the best person to give advice about parenting or, uh, you know, so, uh, emotional issues because I'm a lawyer. That's my training. I'm a lawyer. I'll give you legal advice, but when it comes to those other issues, go to the family professional. And same with the financial. The financial, prof- you know, I understand a financial statement well enough, but those financial professionals give so much more value and valuable advice that uh, that I just can't do that because I don't have that expertise. Planning, legacy planning, all these things. And oh, what yeah. I love is these first meetings where we'll have a family neutral show up the meeting with a parenting plan. Right. So now our five-hour meeting is down to two hours because right. we're not talking about parenting schedules. Right. And, and, and we've even had them help when the children are adults because the children are still children. <laughs> That's right. And, and they're still having to cope with the fact that their parents are separating. And uh, we've found that very helpful to have the family professional uh, uh, talk to the. We've had them, children that are not talking, stop talking to mom and dad because they're so upset about the divorce. And they're brought back into the loop with the help of a family professional. Or they have adult children trying to influence property. Uh, absolutely. No, I don't want... That's the family cottage. You don't. Right. Why are you seeking equalization or yeah. money from the other parent? And, and ad, ad, adult children often will fall into one camp or the other. Right. Instead of, you know, little children don't usually pick sides. Right. But uh, uh, sometimes that can happen. So anyway, the family professional can help work in a myriad of situations. So let's talk about marketing. You know, we so we've got all these roadblocks that we just talked about. They're coming from our clients. They're coming from spouses of our clients. They're coming from the other professionals that we're dealing with. How do we get the message out there in terms of collaborative practice from a marketing perspective? You know, we've got these objections, but, you know, we need to do a better job communicating that they're not really valid objections. Right. And, you know, marketing... There's lots of things we can talk about in marketing, Google ads, Facebook ads, all those sorts of efforts to communicate that. But the most important skill I think a professional can learn is how to do that intake interview with a potential new client. And uh, they have the best person to market the process to is that client who has just come to you and is across from you, across from you at your desk. Or more importantly, that client's spouse. So a lot of the times, the first letter I write is designed to encourage that spouse to consider the process. You know, take this letter to your lawyer, ask them about collaborative practice. We load it up with information, brochures, websites, contact information for professionals. So really, you're trying to also sell your client's spouse on the idea of collaborative. Yeah, I've never had great success with those letters. But I know other people have. I, so I'll tell you one technique that I used that I found really helpful. And it was a, a lawyer in Toronto named Deborah Graham who introduced me to it. 
and it's not writing a letter to the other spouse. Because I find that there's always an adverse response. Well, if this is a letter from my spouse's They're lawyer... They're suspicious. What's, what trick are they playing they, on me here? Exactly. This is going yeah. to not be good for me. Right. But so what we do now is we'll write an email, not a letter, to my own client. And it says... Share this. Yeah, yeah. And then and then we tell them to share this. And the, the email is in email language. It's not in legal speak. And it's all about the benefits of collaborative practice for our client, but also what we think might be of concern to their spouse and why collaborative practice would be beneficial to their spouse. And the, the client then shares it. Maybe they'll print it and leave it by the toaster by in the morning. the coffee machine. Yeah. And then, uh, or they'll... They violate the, their client privilege on the reading the other spouse's or, email. Or they'll forward it to them or whatever. But it... it, it uh, it's, I've had great success with that. Do you say this email is with a prejudice or you no. say this is not a privileged communication? Because no, I don't, I don't, nobody needs people to People are always that. nervous about lawyers' letters yeah. right? when they come across But it's, it's an email. And it's not a, it's, and, and so I don't want to use legal language that might be threatening. So I, it's, and it's an email to my client. Uh, so it, people don't see it the same way as a lawyer's letter. It's, they're not intimidated or they don't see the letterhead or anything. It just so goes over when you get a when you get a client and the other lawyer doesn't want to do it collaboratively or is suspect about doing it collaboratively, how do you approach that? Well, yeah, it's a hard one. That, that That's the most important thing is to get the other spouse to the right kind of lawyer. And I, and I put that in that email that I talk about is that not every lawyer is trained in this. Some lawyers their first step is to take every case to court. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I've had some lawyers say, I've been selling cases for 25 years. I don't need collaborative practice training. We can right. get it done. Right. 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 So you kind of get boxed in at that point. And, and that's fine. And the problem, you know, is they, so they'll talk about, you talked about small C collaborative. In other words, uh, negotiated case. Right. And so people... Uh, well, a lot of lawyers will say, let's just try to negotiate an agreement. But you know what? Uh, in the, I used to do court. I haven't been to court for many years now. But back in the day when I did court, every court case that I st- started started with a negotiation. <laughs> right? Right. We're going to settle it outside of court. We're going to settle end up it. In court. And you end up in court because you reach an impasse and the door to the court is open and you walk right through. But in collaborative practice... The door to the courtroom is shut, and so I'm going to lose my client if I put them in the courtroom. Uh, so they're going to go with some other lawyer. So I have a real strong interest in uh, helping my client settle the case. Right. Changes everything. Now we've uh, we've had lots of experience in traditional marketing. So you have the media, print, online, TV. I know you had a billboard campaign recently, which was a lot of fun. Remember the days of yellow pages, right? You're yeah. going to pay whatever. Hey, we got some yellow pages delivered to our house the other day. <laughs> Use I them c- in the campfire? I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, this still exists. And there's also other local print media uh, out there. Any of this useful for marketing your practice? What do you like? What do you not like? Well, I've yeah, I've experimented. I've even done radio ads and, and so on. And, and I still g- go back to the Internet. Yeah. And uh, Google Ads uh, are and Facebook Ads are probably the most effective uh, uh, because that's the first thing people do uh, is when they 
need a service, they pick up their phone. And our client personas really fall into that niche of Facebook, that yeah. age demographic. Uh, and Facebook's pretty powerful in terms of narrowing your marketing criteria. Right. Uh, I've found Facebook in terms of marketing has been very uh, responsive. I always get lots of people commenting on our posts or whatever we're doing at the firm through Facebook. Right. Um, so that's been quite effective. In terms of print, uh, I try to avoid print at all time, but I think there could be some value to local newspapers. Uh, some people love the local news. You know, if you live in a small town or village, they're always going to read what's going on. They want the gossip. So uh, we haven't measured it too successfully yet. And Google is always one of the more prominent ones out there. Yeah, no, I I agree. Uh, we... we um advertise at the local curling rink we sponsor uh soccer teams and do all those things and we sponsor different cultural events and um all those sorts of things uh raise brand awareness you right. know that that people become familiar with your name but when they're looking for to hire somebody they're going to go to their phone and so that's where google ads or facebook and having a really good website is super important a website that works on mobile devices very well yeah. and has you know video and and uh, lots of information on it because clients do their research before they they make a call yeah and i'm i'm kind of two mindsets for websites uh now you know website is sort of i view it as your storefront right when per people are ready to purchase they're going to come to your storefront right so the website's going to give you office hours. It's going to tell you about parking. It's going to tell you about what location you're going to go to. Some lawyers like you and I may have multiple offices, so uh, it's a matter of convenience in terms of where they're going to show up. But in terms of online search, um, I would focus a lot on Google My Business. This seems it's Google Plus is now gone. Google My Business, you know, if you have a complete profile, Google doesn't want you leaving their site. They don't want you leaving their search. So a lot of your searches now, you'll have all the data within the Google search. And if you click on the website, it'll pull you away, but they don't want you to. Right. They will give you as much as they can online. So the website's important, but I think you might want to take it a further step. But let's talk about collaborative practice and marketing collaborative practice specifically. Uh, one of the good ways to do it is through your uh, local practice group. Monthly meetings, you're going to be meeting with other professionals and networking and developing collaborative teams. Uh, a lot of lawyers who I talk to only do one or two files a year find it very difficult to kind of break into that market. There's a handful of lawyers doing a lot of the work. So what is your recommendation with respect well, to that? Well, you know, when I think it's uh, it's very important that people get involved in their local practice group to develop those trusting relationships so that they can work effectively together. But a practice group will not provide you with clients. We always have a little phrase here, Russ. Collaborative practice starts with me. If you want to open a collaborative practice file, you've got to be the one who initiates it and find a way to build the team, find a way to get the other spouse to the right kind of professional and get the case rolling. And uh, so you can't rely on the provincial association, the international association, or your local practice group. You've got to do it, and you've got to be the one who recommends it to clients. 
And you know what? It, it's a funny thing. It's a, like a snowball effect. Uh, when, when you're just starting out, you don't have the confidence in, and the experience in the process. So it's harder for you to persuade clients that the, the benefits of it because you're not sure yourself. But once you get some cases under your belt, you become more confident and then you're better able to explain the benefit to it and you do it with more passion. So for the sole practitioner, you know, jack of all trades, you're doing whatever work comes in the door because you need to keep the lights on. How do you how do you break through from that doing one or two files a year to really getting the confidence that you're talking about to sell it to clients? And that's a commitment to uh, raising your understanding and uh, of the process and the benefits of it. So that that's why you go to the the practice group and go to the meetings. So you develop those skills and a deeper understanding. And you go to the International Forum. We've got an IACP, the International Academy of Collaborative Professionals, as a, an international forum not far away. This year it's in Chicago. Love Chicago. And the next year it's in Toronto and, and then in San Diego and then Orlando. So they're nice places to go. You go there, boy, you come out of there fired up with lots of confidence and uh, openness to uh, the process and you do a much deeper dive than we're doing today in terms of marketing and developing your practice you'll have maybe 30 or 40 workshops to choose from and there's something to fit whatever your interests yes, are yes absolutely and at, at the the uh, small workshops we have pre uh, pre-forum institutes where it's a full day looking at some of these complex issues and we have uh, internationally renowned uh, uh, keynote speakers coming in to speak so it's a really great experience and everyone that's that's what they say about the forum is they come out of there not only with more skills but just a, a fire in their belly and revitalized revitalized re-energized ready to uh, uh, explain the process to uh, other people and invite them and to you're try saying it. clients are going to see the confidence and will be more likely to take that first step right once you get this exposure and, and take some of these workshops yeah, that's right because remember mediation uh, 15 20 years ago nobody had heard it of it and it's taken off and most people know what mediation is now uh, because people People have got the word out, and it's it's done very well, and it, and it's a great process, and that, I think that's going to happen with uh, collaborative practice too. And another way to a great way to market collaborative practice um, for smaller firms and mid-sized firms and sole practitioners is word of mouth. So if you can do one or two files successfully, those clients are going to title their friends they're gonna yeah maybe give you a testimonial that you yeah can put if you can online. get them to post a, a review on google or facebook that helps uh, immensely because people are looking at those testimonials yep. right yep and it's hard for clients to talk about their divorce publicly um, but if they've really felt that the process was a good result they were included their voices were heard their goals and interests were met they're more likely to give you that review. Absolutely, right, yeah. So you have satisfied clients, we have got testimonials. Um, I'll tell you about something else that's maybe a little controversial. Is that all right, Chris? Sure, throw me a lob ball. Okay. Well, or a curveball, maybe, or we, a hardball. <laughs> we do, I do, uh, what we call early neutral consultations, where I'll sit down with both parties, the husband and the wife, and uh, meet with them to talk about their process choices. Now. 
as a lawyer, that creates a conflict of interest. You cannot represent both parties, obviously. And so what we, I say to them is, once I sit down with both of you, I can represent neither of you unless one of you gets a waiver of conflict of interest signed by an independent lawyer. And then you produce that back to me. And then I can, I can uh, represent the other spouse. How many of these have you done? I've done, the, uh, I've done a few of them, and almost all of them have turned into collaborative cases. So how do they decide which spouse gets you? Oh, I don't know. They that's not flip for a coin, me. or they work it out. First they, one to make the phone call. Not it. Sometimes, sometimes I like I had one case where the woman contacted me, uh, but uh, she ended up like giving me to her husband, and she went to another lawyer, and retained the other lawyer. Great stuff. And the other lawyers fine with it. We, uh, on you know, we've had one case where the other lawyer. Uh, would not agree to sign the waiver of conflict, and that's okay. They went on to different lawyers and went to court. I think he was a litigation lawyer, and every case was a court case as far as he was concerned. But uh, most times, if the other lawyer is collaboratively trained uh, and you have a trusting relationship with them, uh, they know who you are, they'll realize They're happy to do it. They're happy. They love it. They think yeah. it's great. And I've we've done uh, some podcasts on a <coughs> concept we call Runaway Train, where we have these cases already in court. And sometimes people need to go to court for a year to see to realize it's a terrible process. Right. Um, and so I'll get a case that's in court. The first thing I ask myself is, why is this in court? You know, can we pull this out of court and do it collaboratively? And depending on the lawyer on the other side, or the clients may be exhausted, or they don't like the court's recommendations, uh, oftentimes we find families are ready to give it a fresh start and say, yeah, I want to do this peacefully now. Right. And so this is a whole new market that lots of lawyers don't think about. Is there existing litigation files? Yeah, you know, there's a, a lawyer, a friend of mine named Woody Boston, down in Los Angeles, and uh, he, he's a mediator, collaborative professional, and he's had a, a many cases come to him after the parties have spent 100000 or $200,000 each in court, and he says... Well, come to me, and maybe we can settle it out of court. Don't fire your litigation lawyers. You might need them yet. Right. But just give it, give it a try. And uh, sometimes he gets referrals from those very same litigation Park lawyers. Park the fighter jet, come in the hangar. Let's these, see what we can do. These guys, are, these guys are out of money. Can you get this case settled? And, and they'll, they'll come to him, and he'll help them. So, yeah, it's a great strategy is to... Uh, invite people who are already in the litigation process to, but the problem is a, a lot of them are really entrenched in their positions when they've been in court. They they really think they're right and the other person's wrong. Uh, I find a lot them. of them just haven't seen the light. Nobody's explained the collaborative right. process to them. Yeah, um, they both started off with litigation lawyers. Right, and they are still arguing about disclosure, business valuations, or you know all the minutia that goes into a court fight. Right. And to say there's another choice, and this is what it looks like, uh, they get excited. They're exhausted. Right. They yeah. don't want to go to court again yeah. to wait three months for your next case conference or settlement conference and then come back all over again. Sure. Um, so I've had, we've had really good response. Another way to market your practice, I find, is uh, we've talked about this concept of saving the golden goose. So... We have a lot of small business owners, um, 
and large business owners. And they don't want to destroy that income stream, this golden goose that's been providing for their family. They may have adult children working in the business and there's some legacy issues. Um, there could be tax issues that they don't want to trigger for whatever reason. Um, so if it goes to court, the judge is really limited in its options, uh, the court's options. Usually it's a sale of the business at a reduced price. Um, by, do, by showing these families... And it's all public when it's in the court. Your competitors are going to see yeah, your financial information. Yeah. yeah, And that can be quite damning in a smaller community if you have a small business. Um, so this is a great opportunity to market collaborative practice and talk about some of the benefits of working outside of the court system to the family business and keeping this golden goose uh, alive so it can continue to generate income for generations to come. Right, absolutely. So there's lots of ways you can sell collaborative practice and market to these businesses. Yeah. Um, that's a great opportunity. Now, Warren, I, think, I think it was Warren Buffett who, uh, when he had a divorce, he did it all through the collaborative process to keep everything behind closed doors. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Another big one that's public knowledge is uh, Roy Disney went through a divorce, and that's you know that's billions of dollars you're talking about there, and he did it through the collaborative process. So, right. So these are smart people that you know want to don't want to waste their money, and they want to keep their matters uh, as much private as much as possible, and they take advantage. And of And they're it. great examples you can share with your potential new client that's coming right. in the door Absolutely. or their spouse. I try to make marketing a daily practice in terms of how am I, I going to approach collaborative today, how are we going to deliver the information to clients or potentially new clients. And it could be something as simple as writing a blog or an article. You know, if you're a lawyer, you have legal training, you're, most lawyers are very effective at writing. Um, so this is a very, this is low-hanging fruit. This is easy for everybody to do. Some, sometimes the lawyers uh, write with a lot of legalese. And they, right. they think they're writing uh, to other lawyers. <laughs> and uh, it's, it, you know, I, I say to, to some of my lawyers that help to write from time to time is, is write the article or the blog or whatever it is as if it's, uh, uh, you're giving it to your grandma. To right. read and you you want it to be in language that your grandma your grandfather would understand and uh, really simplifies the issues and you're not writing it for a, a lawyer you're not writing it for the court of appeal make it realistic and in language that, that uh, people will understand and it's never going to be perfect you know we're sort of trained to be perfectionists um, the document you can revise it endlessly Right. You can see changes endlessly. And, you know, I don't like the way that sentence is structured or just come to the understanding. It's never going to be perfect. Get it out there. If there's a mistake or something simple, you can revise it later. Uh, but don't procrastinate and wait three months to write your first article. Right. 500 words, 750 words is usually a good number in terms of public consumption, in terms of getting it into online uh, media various uh, you know and people uh, think uh, uh, oh boy I post it people read it then it's gone but when you do a blog it's it's like it's not it's not like posting something on Facebook there or Instagram or something like that it's more like putting something in the library and people keep going back to it and back to it. Right. we've had articles that are many years old 
and are still getting circulated and people are finding us because of those articles that were written. And so it just keeps uh, giving you more and more clients. And Google now has designed their answers to search results and snippets. Uh, so if you write an article answering a specific question, there's a good chance your article will show up in a snippet somewhere in a search result. Um, there'll be a link to your article, and that's going to give you a lead. And that's all free. Yeah, that's we, out there. we now, all our blogs are just a series of questions uh, so that we might get those snippets. And uh, we're changing our website to be have more focus on just questions so that right. when Google searches our website, hopefully our questions line up with the questions people ask and they'll, they'll get to us. And we can repurpose content too. So we'll have a blog that's done well historically, like you've said, and we'll just say 2019 update and add right. whatever new changes are to it. So you're not reinventing the wheel. You're just taking work product you've already produced updating it and sending it out there. Yeah, I remember I did a, a blog about uh, Christmas access and I wrote it, uh, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 years ago and it still resonates now it, it, and it's my favorite blog and I, uh, I pull that up uh, and repost it every, um, every few Christmases and uh, holiday seasons. It still makes good sense to do people. Do you have a Santa hat on? I do. Oh, right. <laughs> And another uh, other low-hanging fruit, and just before we get to it, though, one comment about um, some lawyers would give us feedback or give me feedback saying, I went to law school, I've got this student debt, why am I giving this information away for free? Uh, the more you educate the public and the more you help oh, them yeah. understand the language that we use, the reason why courts make certain decisions... You know, the Family Law Act is designed to be fair, but it can result in some unfair results. Um, so the more you educate, the more people are going to appreciate the service that you provide. But lots of lawyers say, you know, I don't want to share this. this They've got to pay me to understand yeah. this stuff. I know. that's. I agree with you. Uh, when you have a lot of content, on, we have probably 30 different videos on our website available, uh, and each video is answering a question that we get asked on a regular basis. We have dozens of articles too. And so people come to the, our website, they see some of this information. And you know what they conclude about us? That we're the experts. Right. We know what we're doing. And so when they uh, are stuck, people want to do it on their own to a certain extent. But at a certain, to a certain extent, they, at a certain point, they get to, they, they say, you know what, I need some help. I'm going to go to Galbraith Family Law because I know these guys are experts. And that might be three, four months down the road. But they'll come find you. They'll search that article. They'll find your address. Right. I've got clients who come in and said, yeah, I've read this particular piece, and this is why I'm here today. Right. And again, we're not paying for yellow pages. We're not paying for print. We're not buying billboards. We're just writing content, and that's what we've been trained to do through law school. You know, and I'll tell you a funny story. A lawyer at another law firm recently told me that uh, she regularly reads our blogs because it's uh, a great information and it informs her practice. And uh, you know, what so a great compliment! It is, and it's great because I know also know that if she's given an opportunity to give a referral to another right. law firm, it's going to be us because she right. knows that uh, we know what we're doing. And it's not limited to Canada only. We have clients retaining us from the U.S., responding to motions to change in Ontario. They're finding us online. They're yeah. reading our content. So it's international. We, we have them in Europe. We had a, 
client in South Africa, and uh, I would meet with him on uh, um, Skype, I think, at that point. And uh, we've had people in Asia. It's a, it's amazing. It's a, the world's getting smaller, Russ. Another great way you can market your practice is, and this is low-hanging fruit in my opinion, is video. Yes. You know these new phones, the iPhones, uh, Samsung, they all do 4D video. You could do a 90-second or two-minute video on any subject that, like we're doing today uh, quite easily. You know, you've gone to law school, you're an expert, you can speak about these things uh, fairly easily, and it costs you nothing. Right. Post it on a YouTube channel, put it into your social media platforms. You know, some people think, okay, I don't like the way I look on camera, or I'm not going to sound right, or it's not professional. You know, I'm a lawyer, I've got to have my robes on and look all serious. But what you're doing here is connecting with clients. Right. Clients want to know that you're a real person who cares. And, you know, they assume that you have the expertise. They want to know that you're uh, you're going to connect with them and you're going to take their needs into consideration right. and, and work for, with them to resolve things. So pick up your phone, do a video. Absolutely. Even if it's a selfie, you don't need to hire a production crew. There's some very uh, user-friendly editing software out there that you can fairly learn. You can learn quickly. There's apps out there, and it's really an excellent way to market. Oh yeah, uh, my friend Gary Derenfeld is a, a social worker. I love he, Gary. I saw him in Ottawa. He does. Uh, he does handheld videos. He did one uh, with me in the back of a cab, and uh, it was a, a short video, and he posted it on Facebook, and he has tens of thousands of followers, oh, yeah. and. Uh, I posted yeah. it elsewhere, and it's great because it's so real. People eat it up. They Once you get it. over this hump, that it has to be perfect and it's got to be professional, and I, you know, once you put a couple out there and you start getting feedback, it really does snowball. And Gary mentioned to me he did a video where he said, um, "Don't take, don't bring your son to me for counseling or your child for me to counseling, whatever the trouble is with the child." until you've taken them out to coffee for 10 times. Just take them to a coffee shop, sit there, talk about whatever you want. Don't talk about anything. Just spend some time with your child. Right. And then after 10 trips to the coffee shop, if they're still having issues, come back, see me, and we'll work together. Oh, cool. It's got huge, it went viral. He's got huge uh, video hits on it. I'm sure it's resulted in a lot of work for him. Yeah, absolutely. And something is, you know, you're talking common sense, horse sense to these people yeah. uh, in their language about everyday problems that they're going through. Right, right. And it shows that you're a real person with, and that you're interested in getting giving them help. That's Cause, right. Because people know, look, Gary's not getting a client out of this if they go out for coffee 10 He's times. pushing me away. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, man, if he really cares, he really wants to help. Yeah. And lots of people don't see him because all they needed to do was spend some more time right. with their child. Yeah, so, great tip. All right, so we're going to wrap this up soon. Uh, some other tips for our listeners. A great way to market collaborative, your collaborative practice is through other professionals. Um, and there's, if you think about uh, the people who counsel families on a daily basis, they're also a great resource for you to market your practice. Uh, so clergy of some sort, family doctors, your banker, um, financial uh, representatives, you know, whoever does your investments or does your insurance, all these people are available for you to network with and get your message out to. Yeah, one um, Rotarians. Reason, right, absolutely. Yeah. 
One Rose recent um, new referral source in the last couple of years was a, a lawyer who does only real estate law because so many people are selling a house because of their separation. And she regularly sends us clients. And yeah. uh, and we're, we're most uh, appreciative. And, and of course, when our clients are separating, and they need a lawyer to do the right. real estate deal. We'll, we'll reciprocate. So, and you're, if you're publishing, if you're following Brian, and, and you know how that came about, we took her out for lunch, lunch and learns. We just took her out for. We didn't even do a, have a formal program. It was just uh, three or four of our lawyers, and we invited her out for lunch and got to know her just a little the bit. Basic human connection. And yeah. she was like, "You guys are great," and we said, "You're great too." And uh, Let's see what we can do here. Fantastic. And it's worked really well. Yeah. Uh, that's not a big expensive marketing campaign. You've you got to eat anyways. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, uh, and what Brian and I are talking about here in terms of writing short articles, doing short blogs, um, doing videos, things of this nature, we publish uh, small books and larger books as well. We'll hand those out for free to these professionals. Yeah, every, and yeah. I'll say, if you need an extra copies, let me know. We'll mail them to you for free. So the family doctor will have our book on their desk. Uh, they may have a patient ask about divorce. They just hand them the book. Um, right. And then I just supply them with new ones. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's our uh, talk today on marketing your family uh, and collaborative practice. Any closing comments, Brian? All right. Just thanks so much for... Uh, coming and having a chat it's it's always great to talk about these ideas yeah and it's really good that you're sharing your ideas i know a lot of lawyers hold their cards close to their chest they don't want to discuss what their marketing techniques are but you're always very generous with me and you've got some great marketing ideas i really appreciate your uh, input today well thanks for having me my friend thank you for listening today if you enjoyed our podcast please feel free to share it with your family friends and colleagues